thank you, Lord. We will not be the same again. We will not be the same again. We will not be the same again. Thank you for what you are said to do in our lives. Our hearts are open to receive from you. Spirit of the living God, we know you're already here with us. The Bible declares that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you're there in the midst of them. We ask that, Lord, you will change, you will transform our lives, you will deliver, you will save, you will bless your people. That everyone here will live with joy in their hearts, knowing that they have truly, truly visited, they have truly been visited by you. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Before I go to share um, what God has laid in my heart, uh, I just want to stir our hearts up this, um, even as we go into the word of the Lord. You know, the Bible said something that where the spirit of the Lord is, it said there must be liberty. Um, you can come into God's presence and there will not be an evidence that you truly came into his presence. Uh, you know, many of us, people invite us for, for either their birthdays or there is something that they are celebrating. And most times at the end, they give us souvenirs as a token that we visited, as a token that we were part of that ceremony. And that's what the Lord does every time that he gives us the opportunity to be in his presence. He says, for where the presence of the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there must be, there must be liberty. It's a token that you leave this meeting and somebody asks you, were you, were, you, were you in the meeting tonight? And you say, yes, I was. And you can then present an evidence to the person. I say, look at what the Lord did in my life as a token that I was in that meeting. So we don't just come for the sake of coming. We come because we know that our lives will be transformed. Why? Because we know that if truly the Lord is there, then our lives can never be the same. And that's why I know that each and every one of us, we will not remain the same. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. Uh, this is prayer conference. And I believe that it's very, very important that we um, spend time to talk about the subject of prayer. Um, you will agree with me that prayer it's a subject that we often talk about in our churches, we talk about in our homes. You know, each and every one of us, we understand the importance of prayer. You know, oftentimes they tell us that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. So every single one knows that prayer is important. As a believer, we understand that prayer is important that we cannot do without prayers. But you will agree with me also that when you come to the church, that one of the, of the, 
of the of the meetings that are uh, least attended by members of a church are prayer meetings. You call for prayer meetings, you would just see a handful of people come. They come because they know that, um, in fact, I, 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 I will say this, that most people that come for prayer meetings just come, they just come just to fulfill all righteousness. And that's why when you call for prayer meetings, majority of the people will never turn up because to them, they feel it's a waste of time. They feel, well, I know nothing is going to happen. So why come to the church and spend, my, and spend maybe one hour praying, spend two hours praying in church when I know that at the end of the day, nothing will happen to my life. So people have become so, 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 tired when it comes to when it comes to the aspect of praying but i believe that that is not how god intended it it is not the desire of god because we understand the potency of prayer when you read james chapter 5 i think from verse 17 the bible told us about a man called elijah he said and elijah was a man just like subject like you and i but the Bible said there was something that he did, that he prayed earnestly that there might not be rain. And the Bible said in verse 18 again, he prayed again and there was rain. So we understand the potency of prayer, that prayer is powerful. That what, what, what water is to a fish is what, what prayer is to a believer. So if we know all these things as believers, then the question is, then why is the church not praying? Why is it that when we call for prayer meetings, we hardly see just a handful of people show up, turn up for those meetings? Most of the time I tell myself this. I said, I don't blame them. Because when you come for something, you do it once, you do it twice, you do it the third time, you do it the fourth time, you do it the fifth time. It gets to a point when, when you know that nothing is happening. It gets to a point that you become, you yourself, you become frustrated. You become tired of doing it. Why? Because you're not seeing results in what you're doing. Every time that you do something, whatever it is, whether a spiritual exercise, whatever it is that you engage yourself with, and you see result in what you're doing, you will be motivated the more to do it. So if people are praying and they are seeing results, if people come to church and we call for prayer meetings and they are seeing results, the truth is that when we call for prayer meetings again, every single person will turn up. Why? Because they know that something will happen in their life. So people will not be tired of praying. Because they know that something definitely will happen when they pray. So why then have we gotten to that point where many of us have no, have no, have no regard whatsoever for prayers? For some of us, we, we engage prayers just as a form of religiosity. We don't want to be seen as, as, as backsliders. How can I tell my pastor that I'm not praying? How can my sister or my brother hear that I'm not praying? That is unheard of. So we do it as a form of ritual. 
We do it to us as, 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 as a form of being religious. But God wants us to go beyond that because we understand that believers. You know, Jesus Christ came to a point. The Bible says he was going into the temple and he saw people that were buying and were selling in the temple. And he was so angry with them. And the Bible says he overthrew their tables and began to tell them, say, look, he said, why have you turned my father's house into the den of thieves? He said, for it is my house. It should be called a house of prayer. The hallmark of every activity that goes on, if it's actually the house of God, if it is the house of God, that's what Jesus said. He says, for my house will be called a house of prayer. If it's truly the house of God, then the hallmark of the activity that goes on in that place should be prayer. So when we are not praying, then something is wrong. So we must go back and begin to ask ourselves the question, what exactly are there things because, uh, honestly, I believe every single word that God says. Remember the Bible says God is not a man that he tells lies. How many of us agree that God is not a man that he tells lies? He says he's not a son of man that he will repent. Say, has he said it and will he not make it to happen? So there is no, there is no, there is no, there is no time that God ever tells lies. Everything that he says, we can hold on to his word because we know that he's reliable. We know that he's trustworthy. God is not a man. He never fails. He never reneges on his word. So why then is the church not praying? By God's grace, I'm going to share with us, and this is something that has helped my life as a believer, is the truth that God has opened my eyes to. And this is something that I have, I have, I have consistently, by the grace of the Almighty God, engaged myself with. And, and I, I may go to say, uh, at least I am seeing results. And that's what motivates me to pray. And I know that, look, whatever it is that I am doing in my secret place is not a waste of time. And I want to believe that that is where God wants to bring each and every one of us to. That you engage yourself in 30 minutes of prayer, you know it's not a waste of time. You engage yourself in one hour of prayer, you know it's not a waste of time. You spend two hours praying, you know it's not a waste of time. That there is something, that there is something that is happening in your life. By God's grace, I will share with us what I consider anyone that wants to have result in the place of prayer. These are principles. I have tested them. I can, I can, I can guarantee you that, look, it works. I can't propose to you anything that is not working. Before you have ever propose something to anybody, Ask yourself first, has he worked in your own life? And if he has worked in your own life, and by God's grace, you have also seen it work in other people's life, then I believe you can go forward to propose such to such an individual.
And tonight, by God's grace, I want to share with you two principles, two laws, two things that have really helped me in my life, in my prayer life. Because this is a prayer conference, and I believe that God wants to set each and every one of us on fire. That our lives, our prayer lives will never, never be the same. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said here, any believer that wants to have results in the area of prayer must understand that there are keys, there are principles, there are laws that we must engage ourselves with. And I want to share with you the first law. You want to have results in the area of prayer. That every time that you spend time praying, you know definitely that something will happen. And that first law I want to share with you, I call it the law of persistence or the law of importunity. Let's go to our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter number 11. I'm beginning to read from verse 1. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And the Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Let's pause a bit here. Jesus Christ has been praying, and his disciples have been watching him. They've all been watching him. And when he ended praying, one of them mustered courage. Say, we've seen this man. Every time he prays, something happens. Every time he engages himself in prayer, we know that something happens. So the Bible told us that when he had finished praying, one of them summoned courage and said, Master, there is something that you do when it has to do with prayer that we know that you always, you always obtain results in the place of prayer. Please, can you teach us what you are doing? Some of us here may be students. You will agree with me that if you are struggling in any uh, um, uh, subject, uh, you don't go to someone that you are better off. True of us. You go to someone that you know what, that is better than you. And the reason why you're going is because you have vetted the person. And you cannot tell by the performance of the person that, look, as for this person, he's better than me in this area. So I am not ashamed to go to him, or I'm not ashamed to go to her and say, please, can you help me in this area? I am struggling in this area. And this is exactly what happened because the disciples of Jesus Christ, they were not getting the measure of resort that they also wanted in the place of prayer. The same way many of us don't get results when we pray. So he summoned courage and said, please, master, can you teach us? 
You've obtained some level when it has to do with prayer. Can you come and teach us? We want to find out exactly what you're doing that we are not doing well. And let's get read, let's read further. And the Bible says in verse 2, and, Je and, and Jesus said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Four, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall say, and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Please, saints of God, let's read verse 8 together. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of what? Because of his persistence, he will do what? He will rise and give him as many as he needs. Because of his persistence. The reason why the friend will rise up to give him even though it was midnight, the friend doesn't want anybody to disturb him while he's sleeping. His friend has come and been knocking on the door. And he said, can't you realize that this is night? I can't do anything. I am sleeping with my children. But the Bible said, but because, even though he will not write, but because of the persistence of his friend, he will get up and he will do what? Let's read verse 9. He says, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Verse 9, please. So I say unto you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 10, he says, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. This is one of the laws that has helped my prayer life. The law of persistence. That the reason why a man will rise up, even though it was not convenient for him at that hour, to rise up from his bed, even though he's with his children sleeping, that the only reason why he would... Remember this guy that came to ask him for bread is his friend. He wasn't a stranger. But he never rose up as a result of their level of friendship. He said no. But the Bible said, but because of his persistence, this guy said, look, I will trouble you he kept knocking on the door. I don't know if that has happened to you. There are times you're in your house. Somebody's knocking. You don't want to answer the person. 
They are just not, it gets to a point that you become angry. Ah, let me go and see this person that is knocking on my door. He said, because of his persistence, that is the reason why he will come. That is the reason why he will give him the bread. Many believers are not persistent. Many believers are not persistent. Many believers are not persistent. You have asked God for once, there was no result, and you gave up. You have asked God for something before, and there was no result, and you gave up. And God is saying, look, anybody that wants to have result in the area of prayer, you must be persistent. In Luke chapter 18, the Bible told us something. He said, Jesus Christ began speaking a parable to the end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And the Bible says, in a city there was a man. The Bible called him an unjust judge. He said, he never feared God. He never feared any man. He said, but there was also a widow in that city. And this widow will come to the judge and say, look, avenge me of my adversary. He says, and uh, unjust judge that had no respect, no regard for God, no respect for man, no regard for, no, 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 no respect or regard for God or for man. He says, and he will not do anything. And the Bible says, but this woman kept coming. He will not let this unjust, unjust judge to rest. And after a while, the unjust judge said something. He said, look, I better give to this woman what she's asking me for, lest by her coming, she will weary me down. Many believers truly are not persistent. You went for a job interview. You prayed before you went. Only for them to send you an email, sorry on this occasion. You didn't get the job. And next time you're discouraged to pray. Why should I pray when I prayed before and there was no result? Why should I be persistent in prayer when I prayed? I, 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 I prayed and, and I trusted God for healing and nothing happened. Why should I pray again when I prayed and I trusted God and, and I miscarried? Why should I pray? And that is the question in the heart of many believers. Why should I pray again? And God is saying, look, you want to have results in the place of prayer? <laughs> there is something called persistence. Refuse to accept no as an answer. I'm not accepting no as an answer. He says, keep knocking on the door. That was what the friend did. He kept knocking on the door. He will not let the friend to rest. That was what the woman did. Kept troubling the unjust judge. I will not let you rest. You want to have result? There are so many times I have prayed and nothing happened. I say, God, I will pray again. There are so many times I have prayed and 
nothing happened. I say, it is not, it is not an excuse for me to give up. If I must obtain results in the place of prayer, then I must be consistent. I must be persistent. Someone once said that winners never quit and quitters never win. Most times we quit in the place of prayers as believers. And that is not what God is calling us to. We must pray. He said, they that make mention of the Lord, Give him no rest until he does what? He establishes Jerusalem and he makes it a praise upon the face of the earth. Give him no rest. Give him no rest. Give him no rest. Are you tired in the place of prayer? Give him no rest. Lord, I'm not going to let you go. This thing, I know this is your will, so I must, I must keep engaging myself in the place of prayer until something happens. It's called the law of persistence. You know, there was a woman in the Bible in Luke chapter 2. You know, every time I read the story of this woman called Anna the prophetess and Simeon, the Bible told us that almost 84 years of the life of this woman, she was in the temple praying and fasting. What was she praying for? For the consolation of Israel. Just one prayer point for 84 years. But this woman never gave up. When finally the boy Jesus Christ was born, he says, now my eyes have seen it. 84 years. How many of us can stay in the place of prayer for a matter for one month? For many of us, you have just prayed for something for one month. You have just prayed for something for one week. And because nothing happened, you gave, you gave up. This woman was constantly, the Bible said, in praying and fasting for 84 years. She had just lost her husband. So seven years of marriage. The rest, remainder of the 84 years of her life, she spent it in the church, praying and fasting. One prayer point, not 10 prayer points, not five prayer points, one prayer point, 84 years. Says, now my eyes have seen it. We must, if we're going to be, if we're going to be, honestly, if we're going to truly handle the things that God wants to commit into our hands, then we must be persistent in the place of prayer. For some of us, there are things that, honestly, it may take years on your knees before it will manifest. For some of us, there are things that you're praying for. It will take months before they manifest. It will take weeks before they manifest. It will not just take just one prayer of one hour. It may not just take one prayer of two hours. And this is where our problem is. Because we have prayed over a matter and, not, and, and nothing was forthcoming. Many of us, we gave up. The Bible told us about a man called Elijah. Elijah was... was whom I consider a portrait of prayer. Remember the Bible told us in James chapter 5 and verse 17, where I quoted earlier. He said he was a man just like you and I, but there was something that man prayed, that he prayed earnestly. Elijah, Elijah was a mighty prophet. God used him mightily. But have you asked yourself some certain questions? Do you know that Elijah also failed in the place of prayer? 
But Elijah never gave up. Elijah, your Elijah, my Elijah that we know, failed also in the place of prayer, but he never gave up. People that gave up in the place of prayer never achieved their results. People that give up in the place of prayer never achieve any results. People that give up in the place of prayer never achieve any results. Let me show you. Let's go to the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 18, please. 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's see that that man failed. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41, please. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41. Your Elijah. Then Elijah said to Ahab, do what? Go up and eat and drink, for there is what? There is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. So this man was praying. And verse 43, and said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is what? There is what? There is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. So the first time he bent his, he bent his face on his, he bent his head on his knees and was praying. Finished praying the first time, told the servant, I've told this, I've told the king, King Ahab, that there will be the sound of the abundance of rain. So finished praying for the first time, told the servant to go and check. The servant gave, went and checked. He said, ah, uh, prophet, there is nothing. You know. Many of us would have given up at that point. So Elijah felt the first time that he prayed. There was no sign of rain. The second time again, he bent his, and he must have received something. But he bent his knees and was praying. Send the servant the second time. I said, go and check. Now I've prayed the second time. Go and check if there's, a, if there's a sound of the abundance of rain. The servant came the second time. I said, master, look, there is nothing. You know. The Bible says he did it the third time, did it the fourth time, did it the fifth time, did it the sixth time. So meaning that the six different occasions that Elijah prayed, nothing happened. It was on the seventh occasion that the master returned. Verse 44, please. What did he say? Verse 44. He says, then he came to pass the seventh time that he did what? That he said, there is what? There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go, and go down before the rain stops you. And this is what happens to many of us. We stop at the first stage. You prayed, yes, nothing happened. You prayed the second time and nothing happened. This was, remember who we are talking about, Elijah, the mighty prophet. Our present day believers, I don't think any of us have, have ever done one tenth of what Elijah did. True of us. True of us. But the Bible is telling us that this man, he, there was a time that he prayed. There was a time that he prayed and nothing happened. But he didn't give up. He didn't give up.
God is waiting for men and women that refuse to accept no as an answer. What if Elijah gave up? What if he gave up at the sixth time? We could have built a theology there and said, well, maybe it was not the will of God. You know, most of the time when we pray and nothing happens, we want to build a theology. I tell myself I will never build a theology. God is not a man. As long as I've been able to establish his will, I will pray until, until the desired result comes. So we console ourselves. Say, maybe the reason why he didn't... You know, somebody could have advised a like that. Maybe it wasn't the will of God. At least, you know yourself, you're a mighty prophet. You prayed once and nothing happened. Two times, three times, four times, five. Forget about it. This is not the will of God. But the Bible said, this man said I will not give up. There are so many of us here, we have given up in the place of prayer. And God was saying, if only you had persevered. If only you had prayed that second time. And God is saying for some, if only you have prayed the third time. And God is saying, if only you have persisted and prayed the fourth time. There are so many of us here, what God had wanted to do in our lives had been aborted simply because we couldn't tarry, tarry long in the place of prayer. It's called the law of persistence. The friend got it not because he was his friend. The woman got it not because the judge liked her. Elijah got it not because of anything, but because he persisted in the place of prayer. That you can stay and say, I am going nowhere. Can I tell you some things? There are issues in my life that I have stayed in the place of prayer for years. There are issues in my life that I have stayed in the, pray, in, in the place of prayer for months. And I say, God, I know. I know what you have said. Even though I'm not seeing the result, but Lord, I refuse to accept no as an answer. There is no giving up for me. I know what your word has said. I know what your word has said. There is no giving up for me. Until we come to that point where we say, there is no going back. Many of us, we will never enter into what God has designed for each and every one of us. Can we, can we, can we, can we persevere? Can we stand in the place of prayer? Can we tarry for a while? It's called the law of persistence. God has so much in stock for us. And that was the question that he was asking in Luke chapter 18. And he said, look, he was on the subject of prayer. And he said, when he comes, 
will he find faith on the earth? People that will believe him for what he has said and can stand on that word and say, Lord, I'm standing on this word until it comes to pass, until it finds expression in my life. I've told our church members, I said, look, I don't know about you, but I don't want to help God to explain my situations all the time. That when I pray and nothing happens, I want to build a theology around it. To tell God, to tell, deceive myself that, look, it may not be the will of God. It may not be that God doesn't want it to happen. It may not be that. It may not be this. We must be strong in the place of prayer. And one of the things that happens when we begin to become persistent, because some, there are some issues of your life that God is saying, look, even in that prayer that you're praying, part of the process is that he also wants to transform your life. So he wants you to stay long, carry long in that place of prayer. So one of the things that he does is that he comes to give you strength so that you can stay. So if it is an issue that will require you praying for one year before it comes to pass, he will come to give you the strength to tarry for that one year. If it's an issue that will require you for praying for two years before it comes to pass, he will come to give you that strength. And that's why the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 20, say, has thou not known? has thou not heard that the everlasting law, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he said he doesn't fade, neither is he weary. There is no certain of his understanding. He said he gives strength to them that are, he said to them that have no might, he increases strength. He said even the youths, they will do what? They will faint and be weary. Even the young men shall utterly fall. He said, but they that wait upon the Lord, they shall be do what? They shall renew their strength. They shall do what? Mount up with Wings as eagles, run, and they will not be weary. Walk, and they will not faint. That's what happens in the place of prayer. There is, there is this strength that God begins to give you so that you can then tarry long in the place of prayer. Refuse to explain away your situation. Refuse to explain away that challenge. Refuse to explain away that problem. We have made a mockery of this God. I've told God, I said, God, whatever price it will take, I'm ready to pay it. And until we come to that point where we tell God whatever price it will take, Lord, we are willing to pay the price. We must become men and women that stay long in the place of prayer. Nothing happens. That's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, look, there are some issues in our life. They, they can never, nothing will happen until we pray and until we fast. So we must, we must be persistent. And I'm trusting the Lord that one of the things that will happen to us tonight is that there is a grace that will come upon your life. There is a grace that will come upon your life. There is a grace that will come upon your life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you know, look, these things are not, you know, for the, you don't just do it because you feel like. I don't want to deceive you. There are times I don't feel like praying. There are times I, I'm not ashamed to tell you. There are times that I don't feel like, but there is something that will come upon you that even when you don't feel like praying, because it's a spirit, when a spirit possesses someone, you know, look at these people in the Bible that the Bible told us were possessed by evil spirits. Why would a madman want to be sleeping in the tomb? Is he doing it with his right senses? But because a spirit has possessed him, the spirit is now making him to act or behave in a way that ordinarily he wouldn't have behaved if he had his senses. That's what happens in the place of prayer. When that grace comes upon you, even when you don't feel like praying, you don't know what wakes you up by 12 o'clock. You don't know what wakes you by 1 o'clock. You don't know what wakes you up by 2 o'clock. And you're praying and somebody asking, ah, ah, is it that you're not resting? No, there is a spirit that has now overwhelmed you. So what you're doing is no longer by yourself. You are being controlled by that spirit called the spirit of prayer. And that is where God is bringing us to. He calls it the law of persistence. And we will wait upon the Lord. And in his presence is fullness of joy and we will mm -hmm. and we wait upon, upon the Lord and I will wait upon the Lord and in his presence is fullness of joy. We'll be restored as we wait upon the Lord. Brothers, sisters, wait on him. The world may be laughing at you, wait on him. They may be mocking you, wait on him. They may be asking you, you've been praying for one year and nothing is happening. Wait on him. They may be telling you, you have prayed for two years over this matter and yet nothing. Wait on him. You may have prayed for five years and nothing has happened. Wait on him. The Lord of persistence. We will wait on him. We will wait on him. Number two. Anyone that wants to have results in the place of prayer You must, and this is 
This is, as in, I can guarantee you 100% that this works. The motivation of your heart or the sincerity of your heart. Anyone that wants to have result in the place of prayer, every time you go to God in the place of prayer, check the sincerity of your heart. What is it that motivates you when you go to pray? Let's read Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, please. Because it's very important we are learning from Jesus Christ. So we've learned from him how he taught his disciples on being persistent in the place of prayer. So let's learn again from him because he's the one that got the result in the place of prayer. So he's qualified for us to learn from him. So let's read verse 5. He says, and when thou, so he's addressing the subject of prayer again. He says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt what? Not be as what? As the hypocrites are. For what? They love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets that they what? That they may be seen of men. He said, verily I say unto you, they do what? They have their reward. He said that every time that you are praying, that we should not be like the hypocrites. You know, I read this place of the Bible I used to think before. And that's why they t- and that's what, that, that many of us, we grew up, when we grew up as believers, this is what we, they told us. said, no. When you're praying, just go inside. God doesn't want to see you. You know, you don't have to show people that you're praying. That's exactly not what the Bible was talking about. It was Timothy that told us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, if I'm correct, he says, men ought to pray where? Everywhere. Men ought to pray everywhere, lifting up their holy hand. So it wasn't as a result of where these people were praying. It wasn't. It wasn't. But God said, look, these people were praying, but I came to check the motive of their heart. What was the reason why they were praying? The Bible tells us, please go back to that chapter, please. Let's read it again. Matthew chapter 6. It says, and when you pray, do not be like them, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street. What's their motive? Let's read. What is it? That what? That they may be seen by men. So God said, look, why these men were praying, I came to check their heart. I came to check the motivation behind their prayers. But all I could see was that they just wanted self-glorification. So these men, they could have sat in, sat, uh, stood in the street praying for revival. And people would be wondering, wow, look at this wonderful man. Praying for revival, God. Let, 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 Lester, let everyone in Leicester be saved. And people will pass. Wow. This must be serious believers. Why they were getting the glory of men. God said, look, I, I have gone beyond just the physical to look at their heart. That the reason why these men were praying wasn't just because they were, even though they were calling for revival, even though they were asking God, God, change the lives of, of your people. Do this, do that. God said, it has nothing to do with any of those things. I've just come to take their heart. The reason why they were praying is just they wanted self-glorification. 
So God said, don't be like them when you're praying. Is there anything, is there anything wrong praying in the spirit? Absolutely no. When your motive is pure, there is nothing wrong in praying in the, praying in the streets. So the reason why they were doing that is so that men can see them and say, wow, this must be prayer giants. This must be prayer warriors. And God says, do not be like them. Let's read Jeremiah chapter number 17 and verse 10. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10. He says, I, the Lord, do what? I, the Lord, I do what? I search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doing. I, the Lord, I search the heart. I go beyond what you're saying. You might be here praying, but God comes to scan your heart. That's what he says, that every time that we pray, he comes to scan our heart to find out the intentions of our heart. Why are you praying the prayer that you're praying? What is the, what is the, what is the reason? What is motivating you to pray? Has he, has he got anything to do with his kingdom? And God warned the people. He said, look, don't be like them. Because if you be like them, you can pray for two years. You can pray for one year. And you will not get any results. We are explaining how to get results in the place of prayer. And there was a woman like that in the Bible. We take a case study. We look at that woman. And then... We will have time to pray. Praise the Lord. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 1, please. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9. Let's read. It says, so Hannah arose after they had finished. Let me just uh, uh, give a background to the story. A man called Elkanah had two wives. Hannah and Penina. One of them, Penina had children, but the Bible told us that Hannah was buried. And the Bible told us that every year, Elkanah will go with Hannah and Penina and Penina's children, and all of them will go to Shiloh. They will go to Shiloh to worship the Lord. They will go to Shiloh to pray. And every time they will gather in Shiloh, after the prayer, the Bible says, Elkanah will give gifts to Hannah. He will also give gifts to Penina. He will also give gifts to Penina's children. And Penina will be mocking Hannah. He said, you that is childless, you that is barren, you that is unfruitful, you that cannot have... He was, he was, he was making, mockery of the, making mockery of Hannah. And the Bible said the thing was so much that he got to the point where Hannah would even be crying. Why this woman is mocking her? She got to the extent where she couldn't even eat because of the level of mockery that she was receiving from this woman. But let's read. So, and she was asking God, God, can't you see what, can't you see what this Penina is doing to me? Lord, are you not seeing that this woman is making, making mockery of my barrenness? 
And God said, look, that is not even enough reason to ask for a child. But can't can you see what she's doing just because she has a child and I have no child? And God is saying to her, that is not even enough reason for me to give you a child. We must understand the things that move the hand of God. Let's read. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. He said, now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Verse 10, please. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow. Now her prayer point has changed. He says, now she made a vow and said, let's read. Oh, Lord of hosts, if what? If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will do what? But will give your maidservant a male child then what will happen? I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. By this time, she had identified also a need in the heart of God. Remember, by this time, the sons of Eli had started messing up, and God had vowed that his sons would not take over, that he would look for a replacement, because God had already made a promise that his sons will take over from, but th by this time, the sons, we are sleeping with people, messing up, and God said, no more. Your sons will not take over from you. So God was looking for a man that will stand and take the place of Eli. So when this woman identified the need, she said, look, God's need is bigger than my own need. Can I solve the need of God and my own need will not be solved? It's not possible. So the Bible says she made a vow and said, God, I know I have a child, but God, I also know you have a need. So give me this child and I will give it back to you. It was a deal. God, give me this child. I have a child. But Lord, when you give it to me, I will give it back to you so that he can serve you. Let's read, please. Where did we stop? Verse, verse 11 and verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her, her mouth. Verse 13, please. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 14. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away. Let's go to maybe 19, please. Because of our time. Let's read that. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to the, their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord did what? And the Lord remembered her. Verse 20, please. So it came to pass what? In the process of time that what? That Hannah conceived and did what? And bore a son and did what? And called his name Samuel saying, because I have asked him from the Lord. The sincerity of your heart. Brothers and sisters, God has a need. And this is what many of us have not realized. God has a need. You know, when we solve the need of God, most of the things that you ask God for, or most of the things that become prayer points, you don't even need to pray about them. God will add them to you. 
This is what he said in Matthew 6 and verse 33. He said, do, do what? Seek first what? Seek first what? And this is exactly what this woman did. He understood the jackpot of having a prayer answered. He said, look, I have now identified the need in the heart of God. Let me solve the need of God. And I know that God will take care of my own needs. So many of the things that many of us are asking God for. God is saying, if only, you know, most of the time we ask God, 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 give me a job. And God is asking you, in that job that you are giving, you're asking for. Where is his kingdom in it? God, give me a husband. God is asking, give me a wife. In that wife or husband that you're asking for, where is my kingdom in it? God, give me a house. And God is saying, in that house that you're asking me for, where is my kingdom in it? When we discover the need of God and we begin to, we begin to honestly, honestly walk in making sure that God's need is met, you discover that most of the things you're asking for, you don't even need to ask for it. God will be adding it to your life. God will be adding it to your own life. This woman, and this, and this, and this is what happens to so many of us. Remember the Bible says every year that we are going to the house of God in Shiloh and praying. Waiting on God on prayers. We, we don't even know how long he had been praying concerning this matter. But the moment she was able to capture and understand that God also has a need. The sons of Eli have messed up. And God is looking for a replacement. He said, Lord, I am willing. If only you, the only reason why you don't even need to ask. Just give me a child. You discover you don't even need to ask anybody. I will donate my own child. And God says that. Deal, deal done. I'll give you a child. And that's how Samuel rose up to serve the Lord. Can you, can you begin to prioritize things beginning from tonight and put his kingdom first? That things that you have been asking God for years, things you have been asking God for months, it would just be like a twinkle of an eye. And you're asking, but I've been praying about this matter for years and nothing happened. And God said, look, the only reason why things have moved is because you have now put my kingdom first before your knees. Say, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and every other thing people are dying for. He says, will also be added unto you. These are, these are the things that have helped me. There are some times when they have a need. I tell God, God, you know that if only I had this, you don't need to appeal to me to give it. You don't need to appeal to me. You know, there are some of us we need to be appealed to before we do something. I say, God, if you know that I have it, you cannot appeal to me. 
I will freely give it to you. We must check our hearts. We must check the sincerity of our hearts. Let nobody deceive you. God himself also has a need. But I've never seen a man, I've never seen a woman that met the need of God. That God turned his back on. I've never seen. Go and ask. Go and ask. Go and ask. In my little life, I'm also a living witness. You can never meet the need of God. And then he will turn his back on you. He will give you more than you have even asked. That is God for you. And tonight I've come to stir our hearts up. Because God does not want us to get tired in the place of prayer. God wants it that when they call for prayer meetings, we are so happy, we are so joyful because we know it's another platform for us to obtain results again. So I am not coming for a prayer meeting, you know, so so, so angry, so reluctant, knowing that not, no, I am coming with expectation because I know that it's another platform for God to demonstrate his power once again in my life. That is God for you. But it doesn't happen until we begin to obtain some level of result in our prayer life. And for tonight, many of us will discover that some things will shift in your life. Honestly, some things will shift in your life. Some things will shift in your life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For everyone that asketh, receive it. Everyone that seeketh, find it. Everyone that knocks on the door. The Bible says, it is opened unto him. That's where God is bringing us to again. That we can become that church that can stand. And can again demonstrate the power of God to our generation. That the things that we tell them, our lives also can become an evidence, a proof. You know, there are so many things that we, tell, we say about God. That God can heal, that God can save. But we are not able to defend it. God wants to bring us to that point where we can defend the things that we say. And they can't happen until we begin to rise up. Rise up and mount up wings as eagles. Begin to take our place in God. God is raising men and women in this end time. People that will stand at the enemy's gate. People that will push back the, 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 the kingdoms of darkness and advance the kingdoms of our God. That's the men and women God is raising in our generation. Are you going to enlist yourself as one of them? Are you going to say, God, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. I want to be one of those men. I want to be one of those women. Prayer is not a burden. 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 Can we rise up on our feet? Cry to him. Cry to him. Cry to him. Kaile. Uvanase, Krakatu Vinala, Mokabalika Valani, Soila Makavanate, Grondas Kivulani Akabada, 
cry to him. Let something rest upon my life, oh God, tonight. Let a fresh fire. Let the spirit of prayer and supplication rest upon me. Lift up your voice and cry to him. Lift up your voice and cry to him. Lift up your voice and cry to him. This is how we win in this kingdom. This is how we make progress in this kingdom. For they that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent. Amazing grace, lift your prayer, lift your voice in the place of prayer. Cry to him tonight. Let something come upon my life. 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 I am a Tebarosa. She am an Akapande Kovala. Ilanese Venika. Berento Sava. Soila. Mukamande Kebenesi Veneka Barado. Don't keep silent. Don't keep silent. Don't keep silent. A fresh fire. 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 I stretch forth my hands to the left, to the right. Let that fire come upon you. Let that fire come upon you. Let the spirit of prayer and supplication rest upon you. As I stretch forth my hands, receive that fire. 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 Let it engulf your life. Lord, men and women that will not be tired in the place of prayer. Oh God, rest them up, oh God, from dance. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Just one prayer point and I will take my leave. I want you to cry tonight and ask the Lord, Father, whatever has caused me pain, whatever has brought sorrow in my life, Father, terminate it tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not tomorrow, not tomorrow, not next tomorrow. Everything that may have caused you pain, 
everything that may have caused you, you know, a, 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 a sorrow in your life. Ask the Lord tonight, Father, bring it to an end in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring it to an end. Bring it to an end, oh God. Father, whatever may have caused your children pain, everything that may have caused them, Lord, pain, oh God, in their lives, whatever may have caused them pain, Lord, let it be terminated tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let it come to an end. I command that pain. That pain comes to an end tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command that pain comes to an end. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command that pain to cease in your life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. And the sorrow away, you're giving me peace undeniable. Nothing to fear, cause you always be there. You're my, my Jehovah, my everything. Mm. Father, take the pains away. 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 May tonight mark an end of pain in someone's life. May tonight mark an end in, uh, to pain in someone's life. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that has troubled your people. Father, the Bible declares, for in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I command that, Father, everything that has troubled them, Lord, tonight they come to an end. Tonight they come to an end. Tonight they come to an end. A new season opens for someone tonight. 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 In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The things that have troubled you, you will look for them and you will see them no more. I say the things that have troubled you, even before you came into this service, you will look for them and you will see them no more. I say you will look for them and you will see them no more. I say you will look for them and you will see them no more. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I hear the name Monica. Is there anyone Monica here in my spirit? I hear the name Monica. I hear the name Monica in my spirit. 
Is there anyone like that here? Or you're related to someone called Monica? Father, we thank you. You're not a man, you don't lie. Whether here on site, whether online. Lord, I decree and I declare. And this is what the Lord is telling me. He says, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. This word is for Monica. He said, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. He said, behold, I do a new thing in your life. Father, establish your word in the lives of your people. Let it be as you have said it in the name of the Lord Jesus, that everything that, Lord, you have spoken tonight will find expression in their lives. That, Father, your name and your name alone will be glorified. We thank you and we give you praise because we know that, Lord, we will not live the same way we came in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Please give a hand of praise to our Lord.